0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dan Snow's History. You're going to love this podcast. This is an interview with the truly remarkable Christian Lamb. She turned 100 on the day that I interviewed her and she told me all about her experiences in the Second World War. She served in the Navy during the war. She married a naval officer. She worked in the plotting room in Belfast for the Navy as her husband's convoy was under vicious attack from wolf packs and news was coming in all the time about the ship that her husband was serving on in the wind-blasted North Atlantic. It's very, very dramatic. I learned all about her wartime experiences and got a few life lessons from her as well. A total legend, a huge honour to have her on the pod, and a very happy 100th birthday to the Second World War heroine, Christian Lamb. This interview with Christian Lamb will shortly begin up on History Hit TV. We've got lots of history documentaries up there, many of them. If you head over and use the code POD1, P-O-D-1, you get a month for free, and your second month, just one euro, one dollar, one pound, simple as that. So head over to historyhit.tv, watch all of our wonderful history documentaries, listen to all the back episodes of this podcast, exclusively available there, and get ready because we got some great content coming over the next few weeks. In the meantime, enjoy Christian Lamb. I met Christian Lamb in her apartment in the middle of London a day after she'd turned 100. As a young woman, her father was an admiral. And she had no doubt that she wanted to
0: serve. I was born in Edinburgh. My father was in the ship called HMS Tiger at the time. Famous ship. (laughs) Yes, famous ship. And then we moved about following the fleet always, so we were never really settled anywhere.
1: And was your father at Jutland on Tiger?
0: He was at Gallipoli. Okay. And he said he was sunk three times in one day without getting his feet wet. So that was rather good. So
1: the naval tradition was strong in your family?
0: Oh, very. Yes. And then my husband, of course, was in the Navy, so a uh, father and husband, otherwise that's all really.
1: And did you ever imagine that you would join the Navy when you were growing up?
0: No, I never heard of such a thing. Christian was keen to join up. When I was 18, I left school and went to France for a year. When I came back, my fathers had ordered me to come back because of the war. I hadn't read a paper for weeks or months. And I got back at almost the last ferry across to England and um, went up to stay with my grandmother in Scotland. And I hadn't heard about the wrens. I heard there was a war, so I thought I'd better be a nurse. So I did some first aid. But when it came to bandaging stumps, I realised it wasn't suitable for me. We couldn't possibly do it. So then um, I decided, I then heard about the wrens. And because my grandmother was teaching me to play bridge... One of her neighbours was Colonel Lawton, who was the brother of Vera Lawton Matthews, who turned out to be the new head of the Wrens in London. So she she restarted the Wrens, having been just old enough to serve in the First World War as a Wren officer. So she was a perfect person to start it up.
1: Why were you so determined to serve? Because you didn't have to,
0: did you? Well, we all had to do our bit. I mean, it was obvious and I had been planning to go to Oxford. But I said, no, I can't do that until we won the war first.
1: So that, Did you do that because everyone else was doing it or because you were sort of passionately opposed to fascism and, and Hitler?
0: I'm a very patriotic person anyway, and I suppose I'd brought up with a navy, I felt very strongly about the Germans. <laughs> and, you know, you can't exactly... I'll never forget the moment when they'd, we'd had... The whole of the coast opposite England was, was absolutely occupied by Germans from Norway to Spain. And you could see they were almost touchable across the Channel. We all felt, and that was when Churchill was so good, because he said, you know, we'll fight on the beaches, we'll fight in the country, we'll never surrender. We were all like that. In 1939, I joined, and then um, there was a phony war that took place for the first few months. After The, war. the first thing that happened was they, they put the air raid warning on by mistake. and Everybody was terrified and rushed to their shelters and so on. Then after that, the theatres all came back again. And uh, we went to the theatre and, you know, great fun.
1: Was it rather exciting? Was it fun being a, a wren in the, in the imperial capital and, during the war, was it? I,
0: I never seemed to expect to be bombed by There we were actually, our, our, our row of houses, our, our rennery where we, we lived, it was in a place called Broadhurst Gardens, near Finchley Road. And that had a stick of bombs which fell the other side of the road to us, luckily. We had you know two rows of houses like most London places do, and the other, every third house disappeared. It was amazing, and we were in a semi-basement, sort of double bunks, sleeping in, the, um, uh, you know, in, in these basement flats, and the, the French window, which opened up onto the garden, blew open into, into it, and this awful smell of cordite and stuff came in. a very dramatic moment.
1: Was that? terrifying or was it rather exciting to be in that in that
0: well I said I realized immediately I wasn't dead it was quite lucky
1: and what was the spirit like in in for those with the wrens I mean you, you felt like you were in a war presumably it wasn't you know you, you were serving in uniform and you were a, under enemy attack
0: yes I spent and, and I can remember seeing dogfights over Trafalgar Square at lunchtime you know look, see these fighting up above It's extraordinary they, I didn't feel the least I don't know why the little bits of bombs started didn't come down on our heads. They didn't.
1: <laughs> and what about the Wrens? Was it a bit of a rude awakening for someone who'd... who'd um, were, you, were you mixing with all sorts of different people from yes, different places? Very
0: interesting. I liked that. And I shared a room with three people. One girl who wore her vest outside her bra <laughs> the other way round. A most peculiar way of doing it. And I'm sorry to say, she smelt from <laughs> But <laughs> one got used to these things.
1: Was it nice to be mixing with different crowds?
0: And Oh, yes. Very interesting. And... Um, But I I started there um, and I behaved rather badly. I was always late. You were supposed to be in by nine o'clock. You'd hardly got out by nine o'clock. Ridiculous. So we had a dreadful time and I was constantly made to scrub the floor as a punishment. And then I escaped from this place and went to work at the Wren headquarters in Trafalgar Square, which were much better.
1: Was the war a time of freedom compared to the life you might otherwise have had? Yes,
0: indeed it was. We were absolutely free, and that was unusual. I mean, I I would have been sent to some awful place to learn how to iron and how to wash and cook and things, you know. Whereas when I came back from France, there I was free. It was great fun. We had a lovely time. Went to the theatre a great deal, too, during the Blitz when, when they had a... We uh, could hear the, the whistle of the bombs coming nearer and nearer and the whole audience would blinch like that and, and sort of lean over then it would pass me, all right here now. <laughs> Amazing. I had decided I didn't want to be a, a, a coder, which I had originally volunteered for because I thought it sounded mysterious and interesting, but it was terribly boring. I discovered plotting was much more fun. So I, I volunteered for that. And I, after I got my commission, I was promoted to an officer, having been an ordinary Wren. Then I was a leading Wren as well before that. And I was sent down to do this amazing job at Coal House Fort, um, which was degaussing. Do you know about degaussing? It's about mines and torpedoes and things, isn't it? It's about um, measuring the ships for their magnetic emission. Mm-hmm. And that was done by this range, which and I had to run the office. I was a leading Wren aged 20. It was really quite exciting. But after I was there for about a year, and then I went down to Plymouth, and there I was plotting officer at Mount Wise, which was wonderful.
1: So when you were with all the Rens, did they bully you a bit because your dad was an admiral?
0: No, I didn't think I bothered tell them. <laughs> I didn't think they noticed much anyway. No, nobody bothered them at that.
1: And what about when you were working alongside men? Did they respect you, or did they think that you guys were all a bit lightweight?
0: Well, I didn't I no, well I was thinking particularly in the in the, the Wren's place in Belfast, where we had um we had watches we worked in watches, and there was a, always an officer with us in, in, in uh, a, a male officer who was, and he used to sleep underneath the desk during night We had we had to wake him up one time to send a message a signal to somebody who was too near the rocks or something. We did everything we could to wake him up, and we couldn't so we had to send the signal anyway.
1: So you actually didn't need the officer after all. No, <laughs> but but on the whole, the men you found the men weren't very positive towards you, ladies. They liked
0: us. We we took over some of their jobs, and they were delighted.
1: Tell me what plotting involves.
0: Well, plotting involves it was we had a huge big um, operations room in Plymouth Mount Wise, and um, it was divided into two. The RAF had one lot. Coastal Command had one side, and there they had four, offer, four WAFs. four Running their plot, which was a big flat table with sort of wax top on it, and you could put all the aeroplanes on a it. big map. Yes, we, we had the same thing our side, but the whole of the west coast of England and the whole of, of the Atlantic was on the wall opposite. It was very exciting. We had all the convoys, all the the huge ships, the liners, and things like that, all going at about 26 knots, and convoys going at about three knots. You know, the, the, everything had to be kept up to date which was very exciting. But the, plat, the, the, the flat, um, the, the radar plot, because I'd never heard of radar when I went down in charge of this plot, I had to have it explained to me. You know, ridiculous. Anyway, there it was, the radar plot. There were four girls each side on each side of the, of the table with telephones, and they were in... in Co- in um, communication with the radar stations round the coast. And they took us to find, to see a radar station, so we had some idea of what was going on, which made it much more interesting and lucky.
1: I should ask, was your dad rather proud of you, serving in the Navy in his footsteps?
0: I don't really know. He used to take me out to lunch sometimes. I remember we went out to lunch. He always used to take me to a rather dreary place, not far from Harrods. And I said to him one time, do we have to go to this place always, Dad? He said... Where do we want to go? The Ritz. So I said yes. So we went. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> Much better. Yes.
1: Plymouth was very badly bombed. So you must have been bombed there as well. No, you?
0: it was bombed before I got there. Nice. I'm glad to say. So when we got there, it was more or less flattened. But we made a lot of friends with submariners there. Now we did have a lot of boyfriends and parties and things, which was great fun. Submariners
1: must have been very brave, in particular, they, they suffered terribly in the war, didn't they? And also
0: parties in their ships were rather fun, because the, 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 the mess, the, the officer's mess was so small. And I remember one time, Eve and I, she was ran with me, and we used to wear our evening dresses for weekends, parties and things. We only had two each, so we used to exchange them. And one time, the officer said to us, why don't you wear your, our dinner jackets in exchange? We're so tired of your evening dresses. <laughs> I can't remember whether we did or not.
1: So that must have been great fun.
0: It was great fun, yeah. Uh,
1: And then you got posted up north, did you? Well,
0: then the whole of Mount Wise, the whole of the Western Approaches um, headquarters was moved up to Liverpool. And I moved on from various other places before I ended up in Belfast, which was another very interesting plot because all the convoys would gather together and and, and get mixed up and ready to sail from just north of Belfast in a place called Rock... Rockall, a rock there, I think, which was a sort of place they all gathered. And then they set off.
1: And what was Belfast like during the war?
0: Well, Belfast was very good. There was no rationing, so we had masses of food there. Nevertheless, we went down to visit Dublin from time to time and by train, and they always searched everything you bought when you're on your way back. It was very difficult.
1: While she was in Belfast, she met her future
0: husband. His ship came in for repairs, and we were in Belfast Castle. We could see ships coming in and out all the time. But anyway, the, uh, the officers of the ship had their, um, their what you call it, well, they, they were very well trained. And their first, uh, first, absolutely first thing they did was to ring up the rennery and ask us all to have a drink. So, so we all went down and had a drink.
1: You must have been having drinks every single night.
0: I've got a very good head.
1: <laughs> I'm worried about your liver. You'll never make old bones.
0: I'm making old bones, aren't I now? <laughs>
1: uh, so you, every night you're going down for a drink with some new ship that's in town?
0: Well, only, only this particular ship I remember. They, they didn't come in very often for repairs, but this one had had storm damage from the ghastly weather in the Atlantic. They came in, and um, they, I suppose the ship had about, I don't know, half a dozen officers, but half a dozen of us. We all had the party, you know. And um, ten days later, we got engaged. So it was quite a surprise to everybody and ourselves.
1: Love at first sight. More or less. Have you ever wondered if the hanging gardens of Babylon were actually real? Or what made Alexander so great? Join me, Tristan Hughes, twice a week, every week on the Ancients from History hit, where I'm joined by leading academics, best-selling authors and world-class archaeologists to shine a light on some of ancient history's most fascinating questions. Like, who built Stonehenge and why? What are the Dead Sea Scrolls and why are they so valuable? And were the Spartan warriors really as formidable as the history books say? Join me, Tristan Hughes, twice a week, every week on the Ancients from History hit, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Life is full of
1: what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? and some well less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United
0: Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially, no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? that was you hear stories was there something about the war was that normal in peacetime, or was it something about the war everyone just wanted to get on with it
0: oh people all did things in a hurry in the war yes definitely because you would know you, you know you never knew when people would be there much more they'd be dead or something or move away go to india or somewhere you know. there's always um perfectly good arrangement to do things in a hurry and it, it worked out i mean Nowadays, people don't get married until they're about 30. Then they live together for about 10 years, and then they start to fight. Whereas if they'd started to get to know each other, they wouldn't have got to know each other very well, but it would have been better when they'd stayed together, and then they won't get divorced, they won't be lonely, and, you know, it's very sad nowadays.
1: And so you you were married for a long time?
0: Yes, we were married until John died, which was, I suppose was about 50 years, I don't know, can't remember.
1: You could have married the Polish guy. Why did you choose him? What was it about the cut of his jib?
0: I don't know. I suppose there was something about him I liked. That's all I can tell you.
1: Uh, and so you told everyone you were getting married. Yes. Um, and then he disappeared off.
0: Well, then he he had to stay he went to sail sailed off to, to escort this convoy ONS five, which was going from Rockall, just about Belfast, and into the Atlantic. And we were plotting it, of course, across the Atlantic. And they could go so far with air air escort. After that, there was a great gap, and the Canadians couldn't start from the other side. There was this, what was called, the gap or something. And so when they got to that, the U-boats thought that was the best place to attack. And, of course, there was this huge and dreadful climate all the time. There was a moment when the ONS-5 scattered they all had to be rounded up again and brought back to, and then their, their speed was terribly slow. They were the perfect target for the U boats, but apparently, I forget exactly the numbers that were um, the ships. I think they lost 12 ships out of the convoy, but they also managed to sink eight U boats, I think, and damage a whole lot more. And George John's ship, the Oroby, rammed one, which was very exciting. That's why they lost their bow, you know.
1: So you were plotting, you were moving the little marks on this big map, and it was your husband's ship that you were yes, plotting? Yes,
0: and we were receiving signals all the time. It wasn't like if we had television, we'd be able to see the battle. But otherwise, we'd be just waiting for signals all the time to hear what was going on. And the news from each... It, we just, it, it was just luck being able to pick up the news from various places. But yes, I, I was plotting the battle... And my friends all tried to make me go home, but I couldn't, I had to stay there. And then when they'd rammed it and so on, they could only go off at, I think they had the speed of 12 knots, which they could just about do to get to the other side um, and have a new bow fitted.
1: So you, got, you, you were there in the plotting room when the message came through, Oraby has rammed u U-boat...
0: Well, whatever. Exactly. Maybe it wasn't quite put like that, but whatever happened, yet. Yeah,
1: so you were aware of everything that was going on. Pretty well. Wow. Pretty well. Yes. Was that terrifying?
0: Yes, it must have been very. And I had having just secured this man. Well, I'm going to lose him again. It's been it's been a very bad arrangement.
1: <laughs> and did getting married change anything? Did you? Were you suddenly? Didn't affect your employment with the with the with the wrens.
0: Well, um, it only, only, uh, I didn't get married until forty um, three i think it was we were married in the december 43 and then i had this baby in 44 so i came out of the then.
1: and then it must have been rather emotional seeing your husband again after that yes, uh, we,
0: we managed to see each other's parents somehow too and it was, they didn't like each other much either which was quite funny <laughs> but my mother did very well she arranged for me to have a um the church she arranged in London for the 15th of December, because John said he had a, a boiler clean at that moment and he'd probably get a week's leave. So she said, right, that's the date. And she booked the church, and then she bought a second... Everything was rationed, you see. Clothes, everything like that to do with weddings. So she bought me a second-hand velvet white wedding dress. No way of trying it on. I wasn't anywhere near. So um b- bought that. I think it cost her seven pounds, which was very good value. She sold it on again immediately after the wedding. It was all right.
1: <laughs> and lots of women that you served it wouldn't have been as lucky. I mean, they, you must have had friends that lost husbands and boyfriends at sea. And, or, I yeah. had
0: one friend friend who was bombed and killed. She was my great friend. was horrid. It was very horrid. She was bombed very near parents, imagine, killed just there. Extraordinary.
1: And so you always felt that. You were, you were up at the sharp end of the war. It, didn't, it, it never felt the war was distant and, and something apart from you.
0: No, and what's more, I did a job which I enjoyed and which was useful. I felt it was useful doing the degaussing. It saved people's lives from being blown up by magnetic mines. And um, plotting was interesting because if you saw um, a, a radar blip, which might have been a submarine or a motorboat from Germany you know, on the southwest coast, you know, then you would send the motorboat out to... to um, investigate so it, it, it always felt useful
1: and then speaking of useful you so you helped win the battle of the atlantic then you helped victory at d-day as well
0: well that was very exciting because i was working on the actual maps of the the landings there were five landings as you probably know uh, all those places on this the normandy coast and of course they had to be deadly secret because we were trying to persuade the germans that we were going to use the pas de calais And not the Normandy coast and so everything had to be very very secret so um, I had my own little office in the basement and nobody else was in it but me and the whole of the walls were covered in those huge ordnance survey maps of France and I had to um, draw a map of every um, compass bearing like that of every from each landing place to see what people would be able to see, like a new, um, you know, a, a, a motorway or a, a train service or a chateau or something like that, on every all over France. So it was quite an interesting job, and I hoped it was. I don't know whether they ever used my maps, but there, there they were.
1: So these are maps that, when the when the men landed on the beaches, they could sort of orientate themselves. When the
0: ship arrived in the, air, in, the in the place where it was uh, the actual uh, landing place they would look at my maps, in theory, and be able to identify where they were. That was the plan.
1: That, was that rather a lonely job, or was it a, a good team working it? It
0: was quite interesting, because I was in this place, which was opposite the horse guards in Whitehall, and Churchill was working in the top of this enormous building, and we could sometimes see him going up and down stairs, which was very exciting. But otherwise, it was just the most amazing place, where they had these extraordinary... Um, inventions for everything. They invented these wonderful harbours which they, you know, made and took over. And there were hundreds and hundreds of pieces of them. Each piece had to be made in probably a different harbour and, and sunk below the wall so it couldn't be seen from the air and then eventually all had to be um, put together. Extraordinary behaviour, extraordinary.
1: Did people chat in the War Office? or, or so? Did you hear about the Mulberry Harbours and things like that? Or did everyone keep very and
0: Absolutely sturm, everybody. Nobody, we never spoke to each other, I never mentioned it. I didn't tell John till years after. Ridiculous. I don't suppose he would have noticed anyway. I didn't sort of talk about it, I didn't.
1: And what was it like seeing Churchill? What do you remember about watching him?
0: Just with admiration and excitement, you know. He was much too busy to talk to anybody rushing up and downstairs, but I'm sure he was busy talking to all the important people, but we were just noticing, you know.
1: Do you feel that the women who worked in those buildings and worked everywhere, do you think the women have been sort of a bit overlooked when we talk about the war, commemorate the
0: war? It's difficult to tell because an awful lot of them did the most boring jobs, like looking after the rennery and cooking and boiling water, that sort of thing, you know. But um, I, I think, I mean, when you think of the job that they did It was the Perisher's Course, which was the biggest training, the most sophisticated training for captains of submarines. It was called the Perisher's Course, and the man who ran it was a distinguished um, submariner captain, DSO, DSC, everything you think of. He ran it, and he ran it with half a dozen sailors normally to to help him with the course and all the equipment and so on. And he decided one day he could perhaps replace them with wrens, and I found one of the first wrens who'd done it with him it was a girl who lived in Cornwall. And I met her and got her to write a description of, of how she'd done it all. So I put it in my book.
1: So, so lots of wrens and wafts did all sorts of interesting jobs.
0: Exactly. Amazing jobs. And cleaning torpedoes. and I mean, they did, did all sorts of jobs like that. And um, servicing machinery. You know, they were all trained to do it. And they loved being given, given these interesting jobs to do.
1: But but after the war, all the men would go down to the British Legion and have a few beers. Did the, did the women meet up as well? Do you think? No,
0: that was a very bad period for women because they were all left behind, rather fed up, you know. And, and the, some of them had got married and forgotten what their husbands looked like, you know. By the time they came back, it was like someone new all over again. I mean, it was a problem, I think.
1: And your, did your husband talk to you much about what it was like on the, the grey North Atlantic, the giant waves?
0: Yes, he he, he had um, he. he His first command was rather exciting. He had one of those, the the Americans lent us 50 battered old um, sort of destroyers. He had one of those as his first command. And he used to go out from Edinburgh. Um, He was actually in the fourth, and we had a house that overlooked the the, the river. And so when he went out every day to um, parole the, um, I don't mean parole, I mean Patrol. (laughs) patrol the North Sea, he would come in again in the evening and he would hoist up something onto the mast to tell me what time he'd be back for dinner. So that was quite fun.
1: <laughs> That's not a bad posting. Her husband had one very dramatic moment in the war when his ship actually rammed a German U-boat.
0: They'd been at sea constantly and so they'd given half an hour or an hour to rest and he was resting below the bridge and um, his ship at that moment rammed this other this, this U-boat. And he... Tried to get out of bed, but found that his feet were on the wall, where all the bottles were. So he had managed to, within a few seconds. He was on his feet and up on the bridge, and there they um, he describes how the extraordinary the ship, the, the, the U-boat seemed to be on top of his ship, almost. And somehow managed to slide it off somehow, and it sank eventually. But um, it was it was a very dramatic moment for him, and I can't exactly use his words to describe it. But he wrote, he wrote quite a few things about his experience, how he got his DSC and all that sort of thing.
1: Now that you're um, 100, what advice have you got for people that seek to have a, a life of adventure like you've had?
0: Uh, plenty to drink, to start. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what else would I say? I think keep busy, keep enjoying yourself, find something to do. I mean, the moment I've taken up painting, which I love, I've got a really lovely Russian girl who gives me lessons every week, that's fun. And all sorts of things are fun. Play bridge. I mean, not necessarily a bridge, but something that you enjoy. have I don't know. I find I've, I'm always busy doing something. And that's so important. Otherwise, I would fall to bits, I think.
1: Wonderful. Very nice. Thank you very much.
0: It's very nice of you.
1: We must have on what your book is called.
0: I only joined for that.
1: And where can people get it?
0: At the website.
1: www.christianlam.co.uk There you are. <laughs> www.christianlam.co.uk christianlam.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Very nice to see you. Christian is still looking for a publisher. Hi everybody, just a quick message at the end of this podcast. I'm currently sheltering in a small windswept building on a piece of rock in the Bristol channel called Lundy. I'm here to make a podcast. I'm here enduring weather that, frankly, is apocalyptic, because I want to get some great podcast material for you guys. In return, I've got a little tiny favour to ask. If you could go to wherever you get your podcasts, if you could give it a five-star rating, if you could share it if you could give it a review. I really appreciate that. Then from the comfort of your own homes, you'll be doing me a massive favour. Then more people will listen to the podcast. We can do more and more ambitious things and I can spend more of my time getting pummeled. Thank you. Right at home.
0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code summer at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code summer.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favor. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds